All right, we're looking at life management for busy ladies and um, been looking at spiritual disciplines, physical discipline, and now we're going to look at the matter of relationships being in order, which is very important. And um, this can be applied even if you are not married, just to uh, relationship perspectives in your life. And she begins this um, section on marriage with her own testimony there in the book. I won't go through the testimony, but she got married and she wasn't even saved. And her husband wasn't strong. And so they developed some pretty major wrong patterns in their marriage. And uh, she, they struggled and then she got saved. God got a hold of their lives. Everything was transformed and step by step, God strengthened, restored, protected the marriage, and of course now she's writing, <laughs> uh, you know, wonderful insights about life and marriage and so forth. So that ought to be an encouragement. I appreciate her transparency on this, um, that uh, she did not come from a situation where it was idyllic. She came from a situation in which she had to biblically get out of the situation that she was in. Uh, and so uh, that's encouraging. And she, of course, quotes 1 Corinthians 5, 17, uh, that we're a new creation. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. So I won't go into the testimony any further than that, but that certainly is an encouragement. So now we're going to look at just the initial thoughts here about marriage. And um, these are fairly basic, but... You know, it's, it's the basic blocks we trip on, you know. We, we look for the complicated solutions, and really always you get back to, oh yeah, that's just basic. There's where the problem is. By the way, you know what the number one problem in marriage is? You and me. <laughs> that's what you always have to realize. I'm the, I'm the problem. You, you can't fix your spouse, but you can sure see God fix you. And you know, it takes two to tangle, so get one out of the, get one out of the equation to, and start to do right, everything gets better. Uh, and so we always have a tendency to go this way, and the Lord just wants us, without being introspective, just in a wholesome way, say, no, no, I need to start right here. And, and you know, it's a miracle that two people that are uh, saved by grace, that are dominated by self, come together and two can, can become one, it's a miracle for that to work. It's a lot of overcoming of self in our, our lives. Uh, she says, falling in love is easy, it's building a marriage, that's the, uh, that's the challenging thing. It takes commitment, determination, time, sacrifice, and Daily management, which is what this book is about. And it's really true. By the way, the reason she hasn't gotten to management yet is because you've got to have the priorities fixed in your mind and you've got to have what is important firmly there before you can make decisions on how you're going to manage your life on a day-by-day -day basis. You can't even begin to do that unless you know what... God's principles are. And uh, that is very, very true. And that's why that we're doing this. All right, she has four very basic guidelines for marriage from a woman's perspective. First of all, uh, 
If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, most of you could quote this, but it doesn't hurt to look at it if you have your Bible right there. Genesis chapter 2, and uh, we see the creation of uh, the woman. It's very interesting how God did this. Genesis chapter 2, and uh, we read uh, there in verse uh, 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. And I'm the only man in here. Let me just say a big amen to that. Okay. <laughs> God really did make man incomplete. Okay. On purpose. Because two become one. Without the woman, the man is not complete. And any man that's honest realizes, Whoa, uh, there is some real incompleteness in this whole thing by God's design. Uh, it's good the way God did it, but that's the way. So he said, I will make and help meet for him. And has the idea of completer. And uh, it's uh, someone that is going to be able to, uh, to fill in the incompleteness of a man, the male part, and be able then together to accomplish God's will. Now, in our world today, Satan's doing everything he can to destroy biblical truth. He has been hammering on marriage. He's even gotten down to what is male and female. I mean, he is just vicious, destroying people's lives. I think it's just horrible what's happening. I think we all would agree. I'll have to uh, pontificate on that, but it's just horrible. But it... It, go, it went back early on to the roles that men and women have and, uh, and making women dissatisfied with the biblical purposes and making it seem as though that was coming out of sociological tyranny and so forth. Now, let me say this. Pagan cultures <clears throat> and Christian culture that is not <clears throat> biblically genuine Christianity um, do have for, for years um, not handled male and female properly. And so there have been injustices and all of that we understand. But that doesn't mean what the Bible says is a problem. Uh, it's that it's not been applied properly. Bible Christianity always causes women to be brought up to the status that God would have them to have. Always frees them. And, uh, and so uh, it is, it's a wonderful thing. And so getting to this here, um, the matter, the first principle is help your husband. And um, that is going to be a key part in learning how to prioritize a busy schedule. And if you are married, um, completing, helping your husband needs to be a priority. Let me just say this, ladies. And of course, I'm speaking from a husband's standpoint. But I know from counseling women over the years, there is a depth of joy and meaning when you actually get a hold of this. When you realize that uh, outside of your walk with God and serving Him, deep down as a woman and as a married woman, um, the deepest sense of purpose, the deepest sense of satisfaction, the deepest sense of, uh, uh, of, of yourself as a person comes when you have that right attitude that I want to be the completer for my husband. And when you make that a focus, 
there is freedom that comes in your life. And all you ladies, I think, know what I'm talking about. It's, that's going to be when you are probably at your best. When you're free of self and you're not reacting and there's not the wrong attitude and you're free to serve and you are focusing on seeing him succeed and having the vision that he needs to have in his life, uh, all of a sudden your life begins to click and it begins to be uh, filled with purpose. Now many of you ladies are not in a marriage relationship. Some are widows and so forth and uh, other kind of situations. It's still good to understand these principles. They will help you understand yourself. You don't evaluate your past based upon negativity, but you just look at it from a biblical standpoint and God has still placed it in your heart to be uh, one that builds up others and to have your life be sacrificial. And it's amazing uh, the ministry that God will give. And that's why those of you that have lost your husbands, and many of you have, well, you just didn't feel like you had a purpose in life for a while, did you? If you were biblically based in, in uh, your marriage, there's a real sense of uh, just oh, your whole life spins out of control for a while. That's uh, something we talk about when I talk about that with our dear ladies here that are going through it. Uh, and because if a w wife is really the way she ought to be, really the center focus of her life is going to be the Lord and how she can assist her husband in being all that God wants him to be. And there's great satisfaction in that. And so when you do have your husband, uh, since we're the gender that usually kicks the bucket first, um, and I don't say that lightly, but it's true, uh, it's... It's wives that keep us alive as long as we are alive. I mean, uh, it's just the way it works. I tell you, we wouldn't do a decent thing for ourselves if it wasn't for wives. Uh, what we would eat and do and, and everything. So I'm very appreciative. I'm here. It's my wife uh, that keeps me going. And it's really true. I mean, that's not a, I'm not just uh, saying it. It really is the case. But um, when you do lose that, uh, God has, you're really serving God. And he has a really special purpose for you to uh, be a key link in the whole work of God. And he will really fill that in for you. Follow your husband's leadership. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 makes that very clear. And um, it is, uh, uh, that passage is based upon the relationship of Christ and the church. It's a very powerful uh, passage. And let me just say that... When you look at what the Bible, uh, what Paul under inspiration says here to the, to the wives, just keep reading until you get to the husbands. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm telling you, there's no more striking commandment in all of Scripture than what is given to your husband. So have sympathy for him. <laughs> uh, he is supposed to love you as Christ loved the church. And if unless he's walking with God, he can't do it. And, uh, and that's quite a, a, it's quite a uh, obligation that God has placed upon him. So, keeping that in mind, the wives, verse 22, are to submit yourself or place yourself in proper order under your own husbands as unto the Lord. If you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 11... It uh, gives it a very clear understanding of how this works. And this is a, a real help. 
the wife is under the headship of her husband, and the husband is under whom? Christ. And Christ is under whom? The Father. Now, are the Father and Son co-equal? Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for that dogmatic answer. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, that's good. And uh, yes, they're co-equal. And um, uh, they uh, are they. Do they have a perfect oneness? You can say it loudly again. Yes, they have a perfect oneness. All right. And so, what a beautiful example. If one who is equal on purpose willfully submits to the will of the Father, though he is, and he's in perfect oneness, God gives us that in 1 Corinthians 11 as the example of how you as a wife, you're perfectly equal to your husband, but you willfully follow God's plan because you were made to be the completer. You're one, you want that oneness with your husband, you're co-equal with him, but you're gladly willing, like Christ served the Father, you serve your husband. I love that illustration. You meditate on that. That'll clear up all kinds of humanistic, feminist, wrong thinking, okay? The Bible puts you all in a very wonderful spot there, uh, understanding how all of that works. And so, um, don't be afraid of this. Now, you might say, well, that would be great for um, ladies who have good husbands. Okay, ladies hate to tell you, there ain't a perfect husband. There's not a perfect wife either. Okay, but don't tell anybody that. Okay, if he can put up with you, you can put up with him. Okay, I always tell men that. Don't, oh my goodness. I was, in fact, I was telling the pastoral class over here that I'm teaching this week, I said, we were good, I was giving some of the pre-marriage counseling. I, went, I just made the statement, I said, fellas, uh, just think about it. These ladies are going to have to marry your roommates. Can you imagine? And they all went, ugh, you know. And that includes you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you need to have great appreciation for uh, uh, what they're going to have to put up with. So, um, but anyway, um, there is, God does work even through men that aren't walking with God. Men who are not even saved. Now, obviously, you've got to do right, and you've got to be biblical, and there's some very difficult things you have to navigate, and we try to help it. Well, I'm, I always endeavor to point, have the heart to submit. Trust God, and you'll be amazed what God will do. And by the way, you follow your husband, and if, he, if, and if it's, I'm not talking about something where you biblically are doing something wrong, but if he's not making the right decision, I always say, stay under the umbrella of his, uh, his uh, protection for you and don't get out from it because if God's got to hit somebody over the head, let him hit him over the head because you're under him, okay, rather than you getting out there and you cause the problem. And, and, uh, and there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of ladies have more trouble than they need because they wouldn't follow their husband. God will deal with your husband. By the way, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you have the right attitude, God's going to really work on bringing your husband to the Lord. That's an amazing thing. Uh, you read those first uh, couple of verses, and it can be a long, long, drawn-out situation, but I've seen it happen. But you will have God's power. If it's always if my husband would, then you'll never have that freedom. No, 
keep the right attitude. Again, you have to be biblical. You have the right to give your counsel. You have the right to say, you know, this is what I feel like I ought to do, but stay under the umbrella of your husband. Well, for being simple points, this has taken a little bit of time to talk through these things here. All right, respect your husband. Oh, this one really gets dicey. All right, I can obey him, but respect him? I mean, I've had ladies sitting in my office and they'll say that and I think, oh boy, we got a little ways to go here. Um, and, uh, but I understand, I have full sympathy. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, that's the command to the husband, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Have the same, have an attitude toward him like she has toward God. Now, um, we're not talking about being worthy of reverence. We're talking about the position demands reverence. And you need to act in every way. By the way, your husband will rise to the vision that you have and the attitude that you have. Men have very little capacity to be put down. Women are far more resilient. And I, you've heard me, many of you have, talk about a little boy. It doesn't take much and a little boy just wilts. You know, he puffs his chest out if you're for him, but man, if you say something to him, you know, and uh, well, your husbands are just big little boys, okay? <laughs> Their egos pop real fast, you know? And, and of course, women can't stand that. You can't stand it when your husband uh, is uh, dragging around and so forth. So do everything you can to, to aid in that not happening, okay? And understand that the Bible says that you are to reverence your husband, which means that you need to demonstrate respect. You need to look at him when he's talking. Now I'm going to read what she says here, okay? This is always awkward for me. Um, just stop and physically turn your gaze upon your husband whenever he speaks. You know, that's good advice. I, I don't know if I have ever said that before, but I read that in preparation and I thought, well, that's just very practical. That's true, I can tell you as a man. Um, also, never talk about him. If you're going to get counsel for your marriage, let him know you're going to get it. Don't let him distrust you. Um, if you have a problem, Talk to him or see your pastor or a counselor in your church, uh, but, but uh, be, you know, he needs to know. But all others should only hear your lips bless your husband. And uh, there ought to be a trust. And you say, well, I'm, I'm discouraged. I wish he would be doing better. Listen, there's something good that you can, you can uh, lift up your husband about. There really is. And... Um, and so God will give you that understanding. And you know, he will sense, he needs to safely trust in you as Proverbs 31 says, that you're going to be doing good and not evil uh, for him. And uh, so be an encouragement about your husband. It will really help you more than anyone else. Um, and when you're asked to do something or make a decision, always say, let me check with my husband first. And that's a good, by the way, it's a great protection for you. Again, let him get hit over the head, not you, you know. Uh, but seriously, uh, that's right. But 
just, I, I thought that first little um, advice of turning, looking at him and having the right kind of uh, facial expression, that's a big deal. You might want to see how much you do that. By the way, when you're with people and you don't look at your husband, they're not going to respect him. Uh, how you are with other people w when you're with your husband in that context, um, that's going to say a lot about your husband. And he feels it when you're embarrassed by him. And uh, so God can give you grace, don't you think so? Yeah, he can give you wisdom on how to do that. And uh, you want to do everything you can um, to lift him up that way. And uh, it's not based on worth, it's based on thus saith the Lord. Everybody get that? Okay, this whole matter of helping, following, and respecting your husband is based upon what God says, not the fact that he has earned it. Okay. Aren't you glad he is to love you as Christ loves us? Are we deserving of God's love? Absolutely not. Christ loved us unconditionally, and so your husband has exactly the same issue. He's got to unconditionally love you if he's going to be biblical, and it's not based upon your, your worthiness for love. And that brings to love your husband is the final one. Help, follow, respect, and love. Your husband, Titus chapter 2, verse 4, talks about that you are to love your husbands. And uh, anybody tell me something about that word love there? Anybody remember? I've talked about this when I've done a study on Titus 2 here in the last few years. Is it the same word that's in Ephesians chapter 5 for um, husbands to love their wives? Is it the same Greek word? Anybody know? It's phileo. It is not agape. You say, well, aren't I supposed to have that high level of love? Absolutely, because you're supposed to love everyone. You're supposed to have agape love. That's assumed. Phileo is warm, high, noble affection. Your husband, ladies, please listen to me. Your husband needs the warmth and affection of relationship love for far more than you know. They don't act like it. Okay? They're tough. Oh man, they're a bunch of wimps. Okay, uh, I mean, they, they're little teddy bears. They need, they really need the loving on. Okay? But you know, you don't feel like it if you're frustrated with them, right? It's the way it goes. But it's a command. Uh, it's a command. Love them with phileo love, obviously based upon agape love. Try it. It works. You say, well, I don't know if it you can try it. Listen, there's God behind you. Do you realize every command, when you obey it, you've got God on your side? Don't look at it humanly. Realize, wow, I'm getting right where God can work. And that is really exciting. And you see, the problem is we rationalize and figure it out, and we look at our circumstances, and frankly, on a human level, I, have a, I can't blame certain ladies for feeling the way they do. But that doesn't change the fact, thus saith the Lord, and there's God that can change the equation. And that's what's so exciting. God can make the difference. So respect and love and have warmth and affection as, uh, as God leads you. And... Um, and what she says is so good. So roll up your sleeves and get busy loving your husband. 
Okay, she said that, so I love these she says, you know, so I can uh, lavish him with your love. Wow, that's a big word. Uh, show him the kind of attention you show to your best friend. Ooh, ooh that's a big one. Nobody should get more attention than he gets. All right, and so this is my beloved and this is my friend, Song of Solomon. So help him, follow him, respect him, and love him. So how in the world can this happen? Well, the keys to a meaningful marriage, center your life on the Lord, because it's going to take God's grace to do it. Okay, it's not a natural thing. By the way, I don't care. Even the best of marriages, it's a miracle every day. It's choices to walk with God and make the right decisions. And it is not just something that naturally happens. And when you meet with the Lord, listen, we talk about the hour with God. This is not a small matter. This is how these things happen. This is where you get the heart of God. And I have seen men, when a wife really begins to start focusing on her husband and uh, following his leadership and respecting him, uh, and uh, showing him a love, um, it, I've seen it just all of a sudden. You, it, at first, there can be a negative reaction, and then there can you start seeing God work, and um, yeah, it is wonderful because it's the power of God, and you're letting God use you. And then this is so obvious, but pray for your husband. Prayer will change your heart. How do you get a vision for a husband that doesn't have a vision for himself? Prayer. How do you know the vision for your husband that he has but doesn't articulate it very well? Prayer. How do you get a real understanding of how much he is loved by God and how much you can love him and respect him? Prayer. That's what makes the difference. Listen, prayer keeps you from having a bad attitude toward anybody. When you pray for your enemies, when you pray for those that despitefully use you, when you pray for hard situations, God gives you his heart. When you take the time, it's amazing. He just changes it. And prayer is the secret to having good relationships and not having bitterness. Not blaming. Bitterness is blame. So prayer will just, it'll take out the root of bitterness. It'll give you a vision for your husband. It'll give you a sense that God can work. And even if it's a disappointing day, you prayed about it and you know God's working. And, uh, and so that, that is uh, very, very important. And then understand your role that we just talked about. And I like this, study your mate. Get to know who he really is. Men don't really open up very much. That's one of the reasons here in our uh, men's Bible studies and our conquer groups and other things, we really try to teach men to get open because it really helps their marriages, really helps their children, child rearing, uh, to get out of their little, you know, inward ways. And, um, and so, uh, but do what you can to really get to know uh, him, his moods, his timetable, what he likes, what he doesn't, his work schedule, his energy cycles, uh, best ways to approach him about talking about important matters of life. This is the best way to speak to him. Uh, do you know if pressures are building up in your life? Uh, your husband needs to be the most important person in your life, so your goal should be to get to know who he really is. And that's really good advice. Uh, and um, there can be a lot of excuses why we don't. And then be a servant. And um, so I'm going to have to stop here, but um, 
We will pick this subject up. And again, those of you right now that are not in a marriage, it's very important for you as you affect other ladies to be able to say, thus saith the Lord. And to just look at your own background and look at your own, uh, these all apply for every relationship and uh, can be a great help to you. So uh, we'll do a, a little bit more on this and then we head into the real management part of um, a busy woman's life. So I'll let you go ahead and communicate about this now.